Welcome to the God is Able radio broadcast, the ministry of Old Savannah Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Austin Frady, and I'd like to thank you for joining in today with us on the radio as we begin in prayer and in song and with a message from God's Word entitled, The Deception of Alcohol. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today thankful for the opportunity that you've given us to be able to minister by way of the radio. And Lord, I pray for unction and for anointing. God, I pray, Lord, today that you would take the message and God use it in the hearts and the lives of the hearers. God, I pray, Father, that you would do what only you can do. God, you see the unseen hearts of those that are listening today. And God, you know the need. And God, I pray there'd be something said or done that would be a help unto them. And Lord, I pray most of all that Jesus would be exalted and lifted up high. And God, I pray that in this hour, in this day. God, I pray that this world would see that Jesus is the answer. Lord, we love you and we pray and ask God that these things would be done for your glory and for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Proverbs chapter number 20, this very familiar verse of scripture. The Bible says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. And whosoever, listen to this, is deceived thereby is not wise. 
I'm going to read that verse one more time. I want, I want that to premiate in the heart of each person that's been. The Bible says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Uh, the scripture here tells us in this verse of scripture, uh, it's very easy to understand what the Bible is speaking about uh, when the Bible says wine is a mocker. Uh, now I want to look at some things this morning about the subject of alcohol as a deceiver in the word of God. And as we look at this this morning, uh, uh, my friend, there's no doubt that there are folks in this building uh, that you have many questions uh, uh, concerning this subject of alcohol. Uh, I remember when I was a young Christian, I remember, uh, uh, my friend, I remember what the Holy Ghost would speak to my heart. I, I remember distinctly I, I, my gut feeling. I, I remember distinctly when I got saved by the grace of God. I, I, my friend, that there was absolutely no place for alcohol in my life I, under conviction of the Holy Ghost. I, I remember that I had very little knowledge as to what the Word of God said I, I, concerning this subject. I, I knew that Jesus turned the water into wine in Canaan. I, I knew what the Old Testament said, a few of them verses that maybe I'd heard quoted I, down through the years of my life that my grandmother or maybe some preacher had quoted in my life but I knew when I got saved by the grace of God as the Holy Spirit of God indwelt me I remember that distinct unction of Him that told us that it was wrong that in every capacity that it was wrong and that it was my responsibility as a temple of the Holy Ghost to stay away from it and can I say this morning that as I stand before you several years later my friend a little more in depth in the Word of God than I was the day that I got saved. My friend, can I say that conviction has not changed. My friend, that was a conviction then without knowledge, but it was a right conviction. Can I say that the knowledge of the Word of God will also back up what the Holy Ghost done as I preach to you time and time again that the Spirit will always bear witness with His Word and His Word will always bear witness as to what the Spirit of God leads. And I venture to say that there's not a one of you in this building that's been saved by the grace of God that in the depths of your soul you understand exactly what this verse of scripture says that wine is a mocker. The Holy Ghost testifies that to every believer. I believe that many times we steer away we go the other direction from what God is doing in our heart my friend but in your gut this morning you understand that wine is a mocker. now in the word of God how you say, well, preacher, how we find in the New Testament wine mentioned in a different context. How we find in other verses in the Old Testament, like Isaiah 55, we find wine mentioned in a different context in a good way. Can I say to you this morning that according to Webster's Dictionary, the word wine can be the, 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 the juice of a grape, fermented or unfermented. It's similar to the word that we would use in this day and time of cider. Hey, can I just go ahead and get to the end of the message and then I'll fill in the gap. Uh, uh, but can I say when Jesus turned the water into wine at Cana, uh, my friend, it was a symbol of His blood. Uh, it was a symbol of His perfection. Uh, and He took them six water pots uh, and He filled them up with water. Uh, and it was a symbol of those people in the times. Uh, and my friend, it spoke volumes to those people that were there at that wedding. Uh, uh, we don't always understand all the culture uh, and all the things that went on in that society. Uh, uh, but they understood everything He was doing. 
it. My friend, when he turned that water into wine, my friend, it was a symbol, my friend, when they said he saved the best of life, it was a symbol, my friend, that the law had run out. My friend, that his time had come, that his race was run, and there was a new and a living way that was brought forth by a perfect Son of God. And my friend, the wine that my friend, he served them was not fermented. Honey, it was the juice of a grape. It come out of a vine from heaven. Can I say it was perfect? It was like nothing else had ever tasted. My friend, it was from the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my soul, I'm glad. One day he turned my water into wine. I'm glad the blood of Jesus, my friend, overflowed in my soul. And honey, I want to say that it's been the best thing that's ever happened to this old boy. So we find the Word of God. You'll find the context of it. It's very easy to understand. I believe that our children could understand Proverbs 20 and verse 1. That wine is a mocker. My friend, strong drink is raging. I notice, my friend, the context. I notice, my friend, the Scripture that it is speaking in the present tense. My friend, the Word of God is a living book. Whether this was written several thousand years ago or my friend is speaking to us today in this present time. I'm glad this morning that I have a book that is alive. I'm glad this book my friend was not written my friend on the thought and the intellect of man but my friend was pinned down by holy men of old under inspiration of the Holy Ghost of God. I'm glad the scripture speaks. My friend written down thousand years ago unto us in this day unto us in this society. I'm glad this morning I'm just going to preach a minute alright. I'm glad the grace of God hath appeared unto all men that bring us salvation teaching us that we should live soberly and righteously in this present world. Honey I'm glad this morning that the word of God is sufficient today. To, I'm glad it'll work. I'm glad it'll still save on a soul to Calvary. I'm glad it'll still help you get through the struggles of life. Praise the Lord. I'm about to have a spell this morning. I'm glad the word of God this morning it'll pick you up out of the deepest and the darkest ditches of life. I'm glad the word of God this morning it'll teach you how to pray. It'll teach you how to forgive. It'll teach you how to live. It'll teach you how to be a mom and a daddy. It'll teach you how to be a husband. I'm glad the word of God will take a lowly sinner and the word of God by the Holy Ghost of God will begin to mold and make into the saint of God. I'm glad that it pointed me to Jesus. I'm glad honey that one Sunday morning I became not just a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word of God. Acted in faith believing in the finished work of Calvary. Was saved that very moment and that very instant. I believe if Dr. Luke would have been there he'd have used the same word that he used in Acts chapter 4. Immediately I'm glad the moment I'm glad the word's got power in it that in the moment I believe I was changed from the darkness of sin unto his glorious light. Became a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm glad old things are passed away and behold all things are become new. I'm glad the word of God will work now. Amen. And it would do us good to believe that verse of Scripture. That wine is a mocker. That strong drink is raging. It would do us good to believe that verse of Scripture. You say, preacher, I believe that. Oh, my soul, there's many a church this morning that doesn't believe that. There's many Christians that do not believe that. My friend, they don't have a problem with a social drink every now and then. They don't have a problem, my friend, with getting drunk at home as long as they're not bothering anybody. Amen. 
that's the truth. Hey man, I know this is a subject that's hard for a Sunday morning. But might I say this, I needs to be preached. The Bible says... Wine is a marker, strong drink is a raising, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. There is the deception of it, amen. That first deception is simply in that word wine, amen. We use, as I explained a minute ago, I, my friend, you'll hear the argument, I, my friend, well, Jesus drunk wine, Jesus made wine. How We must understand the fermentation process I, to understand, amen, how, what it takes, amen, to make alcohol, to make a fermented drink. I, my friend, when you look at a fermented drink, I, my friend, you're not not seeing a completely natural process. I, I, my friend, this world will tell you, I, I, my friend, that you can take grape juice, put it in the refrigerator. I, the refrigerator goes out, you put it on the counter, I, and it will turn into wine. I, that's a lie from Satan. Amen. I, that does not happen. I, it will not naturally turn in, I, my friend, to wine. It cannot naturally ferment. I, I, my friend, you look it up, you don't believe me. You go home and look it up. It will not naturally ferment. I, I, my friend, it's a, a very deliberate process. I, I to take the, the juice of a grape, I, I, my friend, and turn it into a fermented drink. I, I, my friend, it, it gives a great typology, I, I, my friend, of how man mingles with something I, and messes up what God made. I, you see, grape juice has great properties I, and has great uh, uh, medical qualities in it. I, grape juice, amen. I, that's why when the Word of God speaks of the qualifications, I, I, my friend, it tells uh, how, how Paul told Timothy to use a little wine for his stomach's sake. I, he was speaking about the unfermented drink of great what we would call grape juice and the, the, the vitamins that are in it the, the properties that are in that grape juice amen anybody in this building that knows anything about stomach problems would know amen that a doctor would never recommend wine for a stomach problem I understand there's some doctors that will recommend beer for kidney problems but they will never recommend it for a stomach problem amen so that throws out what the world says that Paul recommended to Timothy that because he had stomach issues to drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake. Paul was speaking concerning my friend the vitamins that were in it. The natural properties that were in it. And my friend the fermented grape juice that is what we call wine. My friend it's a picture my friend of mankind mingling with something. Messing with it. And turning it into something that is corrupt. That's exactly what Satan done. That's exactly what Satan does. And what he's continuing to do until the Lord Jesus Christ binds him hand and foot, gets him into a lake of fire, my friend of brimstone forever and ever and ever. My friend, that fermented drink of wine, it always takes man's hand to make it into an alcoholic beverage. If you take your grape juice and you put it on the counter, it will not turn into wine, it will turn into vinegar. Amen. It will turn into something that is nasty to drink and still yet unfermented. In order for it to turn into a fermented drink. My friend, it takes the right temperature and it takes something being added to, my friend, in order to make it into an alcoholic drink. Now I understand that grapes, my friend, many of them have high sugar content and they can be fermented without adding sugar to them. But it still takes the right temperature for the right amount of time in order for that drink to ferment. It still takes a deliberate action on man's hand to ferment that drink. And there 
are some types of grapes. It has to be, there has to be sugar added to it. There has to be yeast added to it in order for it to start working. That reminds me every time I think about it of the scripture where the Bible speaks about the leaven in the bread. Amen. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Amen. The leaven was added into to make the bread rise. My friend, that's the same way with the drink. Amen. Just a little bit added to it. It takes the work of man's hands to make that drink fermented, to make an alcoholic beverage. Can I say this morning that an alcoholic beverage is the work of Satan? Amen. It is the work, my friend, not of a natural process. It is not the work of God, but it is the work of man and the work of Satan. Amen. Can I say that the Budweiser, the company, can I say that every alcoholic beverage company is the work of man. Amen. And we ought to know, according to the Word of God, what that means. Amen. If it's of this world, how the Scripture teaches us to love not the world, neither the things that are in. Amen. This morning, but to separate ourselves from it. Amen. This morning, I'm glad this morning that when we study these things, scientifically, they will back the Word of God. Amen. Amen. So we find, amen, that that wine, it takes the work of man's hands to be fermented. It takes the right temperature. It takes the right ingredients being added. You say, well, preacher, this statement is made. Well, preacher, in, in Bible days, they didn't have good water. Yes, that's true. In Bible days, all they had to drink was wine because they didn't have the refrigeration system that we have today. All they had was fermented drink. That is not true. And my friend, when you study your Bible, you'll find some of the, of the wisest people, amen. You find people that are far above our wisdom. Amen. They're far above our learning. They didn't have the colleges. They didn't have the universities. Amen. Like we do. Oh my soul. But God would give them wisdom. They learned how to take that. Amen. And, and, and instead of having to ferment it. And to keep it. Amen. So that it would be preserved. They learned how to preserve that grape juice. That it would be pure and unfermented drink. That their children could drink. Boy it would be a sad case if all we had was alcoholic drink to drink. And the babies had to get drunk just to get any kind of liquid in their system, would it not? I mean, if we think these things through, it don't take much of a brain to figure out how that, my friend, all the time what we're told and what we hear is not always the truth, amen? How we find, amen, if you study that culture several thousand years ago, you will find, amen, that they figured out that there was four ways that they could preserve that grape juice. How They could boil it down and make a very thick syrup out of it. That's why the Word of God speaks about the, the, the old bottles and the new bottles. Amen. About them bursting. How, because they would boil that down. It would make a, a thick syrup. And all they had to do was take water and add to it and stir it. And it would be how my friends just as pure as when they boiled it down. Unfermented. Safe to drink. Amen. How they learned my friend how that they could keep it cool. Amen. Like we do. How they would put it in a jar and bury it deep in the ground and keep it cool. How they learned. Amen. That they could fumigate that. How they they could take, amen, the yolk of eggs and the sulfur that was in those eggs. I, I, my friend, and by a device that they had deceived, they could fumigate, amen, that grape juice and it would preserve it. I, I, my friend, for a time, I, I, they learned how to get by. They learned, amen, by the help of the Lord I, that they didn't have to drink a fermented drink. I, can I just preach a minute? You don't have to either. I, amen. You don't have to drink that stuff. I, amen. You don't have to have it a part of your life. I, amen. Because the Word of God will testify that wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Yeah. 
Amen. 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 We find in the scripture, amen, Proverbs chapter number 23, we find the Bible tells us, amen, the, the attributes, amen, of this strong drink. In Proverbs chapter number 23, we've looked at the fermentation process, amen, and we understand, amen, that many times the thought pattern of our modern society, it bypasses the actual scientific laws of fermentation, amen. Uh, it, let me just preach just another minute on that and I'm going to move on. But if you were to go down here to the local brewery, amen, they somebody all the time tinkering with something. Amen. They're all the time mixing with it and mingling with it. Amen. That shows and that's a symbol. Amen. In the word of God. Amen. Of exactly what mankind is doing with religion. Amen. Taking what God has made and tinkering with it and molding with it. Amen. Changing a little here and changing a little there. Adding a little here. Amen. And we've got something that is corrupt. Amen. Instead of what God give. Hey, what God give will work. What God give is good for you. Amen. What God give will help you and it will sustain your physical life. My friend and your spiritual life. Oh, my soul. But when we go to tinkering with what God give, you go to changing it and messing with it. We find that we get ourselves in the biggest mess, honey, that you've ever seen. We find, amen, in the Word of God, Proverbs chapter 23, we find that there is no benefit to alcohol. There is no benefit to alcohol. There's not a person in here that could convince me otherwise that there is a benefit to alcohol. Amen. Amen. Some of you probably sitting there right now thinking you can. There's no benefit according to the word of God. I'm, look with me, Proverbs 23 and verse number 21. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to what? Poverty. They're telling us the lie, children, that the United States cannot operate without the taxes of alcohol. The Bible tells us, amen, here, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. You look at every nation in this world, and if you'll study your history, and I ain't got time to go through it, but if you study, amen, the Roman Empire, part of their demise, amen, their demise was, was morally, amen. Their, their, their demise was morally, amen, part of it was homosexuality. Another part of it was alcohol, amen. The United States, if we're not careful, we'll be clothed in rags because we failed, amen, not because God fell short on His promise. Amen. Because we fail to honor the word of God. Look with me in verse number 29. The Bible speaks, amen, there is no benefit, my friend, in any way to alcohol. The Bible says, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contention, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eye, they that tarry long at the wine, and they that seek mixed wine. Look not upon the wine when it is red, and when it giveth its color in the cup, and when it moveth itself all right. That verse right there backs up the laws of fermentation, amen, that there was a time, amen, that the juice, amen, I was unfermented, amen, and then the Bible says, and at last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth on the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shall they say, and I was not sick. Listen to this, that they have beaten me, and I felt it not, and when shall I awake, I will yet seek it again. 
Amen. Alcohol is a, a, is a substance, amen, that will deprive you. It will destroy you. It will drain you. It will damn your soul. It will deceive you. It will degrade our society. It is a disease, my friend, my friend, that damages you physically and mentally. It is, my friend, something this morning, according to the Word of God, He says, who hath woe, who has sorrow? It will deprive you of all the peace and all the joy in your life. I've never met a drunk that was a happy person. And I've been around a few. Amen. I wonder this morning if we could get true statistics and we could look, my friend, at the marriage statistics in the United States of America and how many divorces were caused because of alcohol. Amen. I wonder if we could get true statistics as to how many couples that did not drink, that were totally abstinent from any drink at all. Uh, my friend, how many of those, amen, became divorced? Amen. I wonder if we could ever find that, amen. But according to the Word of God, we know that alcohol will always uh, destroy our relationships. Look with me. Uh, uh, my friend, verse 33, uh, it causes, amen, thine eyes shall behold strange women and thine heart to utter perverse things. Uh, alcohol, amen, loosens some in your soul. Yes, I said soul. Notice the Word of God said thine heart shall utter perverse things. It loosens something in your soul that would make you do that which you would normally not do. My friend, you say, preacher, this is talking about a drunkard. This is talking about somebody that's drunk. Let me tell you something this morning. According to studies, scientifically, psychologically, my friend, intoxication, which is being drunk, amen, intoxication begins with the first sip of a firm any drink. That's science. Amen. With the first sip. And so it begins to change something in you. It destroys the relationships in your life. It's strange to me that we've got more breweries than we've ever had. Amen. Alcohol we say is not a problem. That's what our society says. It's not a problem. But we find that 6.3 billion gallons of alcohol are consumed every year in the United States of America. That translates to 17.3 million gallons a day. Amen. 6.3 billion a year, 17.3 gallons a day. Amen. You look it up. That's the Beer Institute. Statistics. Amen. They're propagating this and they give those statistics. There's that much alcohol consumed every day. That translates to roughly $111.4 million a day that's spent on alcohol. We say it's not a problem. There's more people killed yearly in the United States by alcohol than there was in the entire Vietnam War. And we never make mention of it. Amen. We honor our veterans of the Vietnam War, and rightfully so, but we never take notice that there's nearly 100,000 people every year that die because of alcohol. And I wonder if we could ask the little child, as I spoke about earlier, that's deprived this morning. I wonder if we said, is there a problem with alcohol? I wonder what they would say. I wonder if we could ask the one that got hit by a drunk driver. Their children were taken before their time. A mama was taken before her time. A daddy was taken before his time because he was hit by a drunk driver. I wonder if we could ask them, is alcohol a problem? I wonder if we could ask that wife that's beat up week in and week out. This cake and makeup on her face just to hide the bruises. I wonder if we could ask her, is alcohol a problem in the United States of America. Yes, it's a problem. Yes, it's a problem.
The scripture tells us, Proverbs 20 and 1, the verse, the text that we took, that wine is a mocker. Herrick Johnson, an evangelist in the late 1800s, he put it like this. Wine is a mocker. This is God's word. No one doubts that intoxicating wine is referred to here. Why is it cage of God a mocker? Surely not because it is used in excess. It is hurtful. Beef is hurtful when used in excess. Is beef a mocker? We must all be agreed, I think, that wine is a mocker because it is an inherent quality, something in wine itself by which its users are lured into excess. That's something in alcohol. It deceives men. It affects are gradual, almost imperceivable. It is seductive, tipping at last the noblest and the best before they are aware. So it deceived Noah when he drank of wine and was drunken. So it deceived Ephraim and Judah, the priest and prophet, when they were swallowed up of wine. It is the very nature of wine. It is the essential element. This power of deceit, hence the spiritual injunction. It is not for kings to drink, not for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert judgment. Hence also the command, look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its eye, when it goeth down smoother. The very quality here is described that gives to wine its deceitful power. These are the signs in the presence of alcohol. No one doubts that alcoholic wine is referred to here. And it is the kind of wine that we are solely commanded not not to look upon, for this kind of wine is a mockery. It's a mockery. The scripture teaches us, amen, that it's a mockery that we are as God's people in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter number 5, I believe it is, says, Be not filled with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Yes, amen. They are two direct opposites that can never find a middle ground. Amen. To the one that may be here this morning that you think it's okay to socially drink or to associate with alcohol in any way, I want to say that the two will never coincide and meet together. You will choose one or you will choose the other in any capacity. Wine is a marker in any capacity. Habakkuk chapter number 2, verse number 15. I'm not going to go there for time's sake, but you can look it up. Amen. The Bible says, Woe unto him that putteth the bottle to his neighbor. Amen. It's a sin to sell it. It's a sin to serve it. Amen. Amen. It's a sin to go buy it for somebody. Amen. Amen. You say, preacher, can I cook with it? No. We've well established the appearance of evil. Amen. Amen. Abstain from all appearance of evil, the Bible tells us. Amen. In Colossians chapter number 3, that if we be risen with Christ to seek those things which are above, to set our affections, my friend, upon things that are heavenly, not on the things of this earth. Little John said, love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. Oh, my soul this morning. Romans chapter number 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God. And verse number 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sir, ma'am, we must not be conformed to this world. We want revival. We want God's power. We must not be conformed to this world. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to hear this message in its entirety or join us in one of our services, find us on Facebook or visit us at our website at oldsavannah.org. And we would like to give you a personal invitation to come and be in one of our services on Sunday morning at 10 and 11 a.m. We're located at 138 Sutton Branch Road in Silva, North Carolina.